Thank you for downloading this in-ear entertainment podcast. You're listening to Shakespeare's Sonnets. Sonnet 110. Alas, tis true, I have gone here and there and made myself a motley to the view, gored mine own thoughts, sold cheap what is most dear, made old offences of afflictions new. Most true it is that I have looked on truth askance and strangely, but by all above those blenches give my heart another youth, and worse essays proved thee my best of love. Now all is done, have what shall have no end, mine appetite I never more will grind on newer proof to try an older friend, a god in love to whom I am confined. Then give me welcome, next my heaven the best, even to thy pure and most, most loving breast. That was Sonnet 110 of Shakespeare's Sonnets. I am Mark Chatterley, and you, uh, no, and I, um, and you are, as always, joined by the the slightly giggling now. Thierry Healers. We've done this 109 times, and... <laughs> I still can't get the intro sorted. I've actually forgotten what I say in the intro. I'm going to have to listen to one and go. What? What did I say? I used to have it down, but no, I'm too tired. I've got I've got sugar though in front of me. I've, that's I've that, just, that's simultaneously a good and a bad thing. I I've just finished a whole packet of foamy bananas. Uh, bananas are evil. I well, these are these are fake bananas. I actually found an interesting fact about banana flavored sweets. Um, that was quite interesting. If you wanted to know my interesting, they don't have any banana in them. No, no, the flavouring for them was based upon a strain of banana that no longer exists, that has gone extinct. So the taste of banana sweets is actually the taste of a banana species which no longer exists in the world, which is why it doesn't taste like modern day bananas. Well, there is. I we we had that discussion when we had uh, yeah we had a discussion on Facebook about the. A European word for pineapple and bananas, and you said there's um there's um bananas go on a Hawaiian pizza originally. Yeah, yeah. And I looked well, just I just googled bananas, just read the Wikipedia article on bananas, and apparently the we just have one species of bananas here in Asia. There's just there's tons mm. of different kinds of bananas, and the, and the species the species of banana that we have doesn't have any seeds in it. It's a seedless hybrid, which means that every single banana you eat is a clone. They're all the same. They're all genetically the same because it can't reproduce. So it's one, you eat one banana over and over and over and over again when you're eating bananas. <laughs> that's that's weird. I mean, I don't eat bananas because they kill me and also the texture is kind of yucky. Yeah. But... One day it'll be like that with meat. I'm fairly sure that's where we're going with meat. One day with meat, you will get beef, and you you have a steak in one place and a steak in another place, and they will just be the same meat. It's going to be grown meat. It's going to be the next thing. Well, they've already um um had the prototype of lab meat. I yes. I don't think I'd have a problem with eating lab grown meat. I mean, no. I like meat. I I couldn't survive as a vegetarian because of various food allergies. But I, I wouldn't have a That's... problem with eating. I mean, there's so much stuff out of labs that we put into our bodies, and we we seem to have been doing fine so far. Yeah, oh, there's nothing wrong. And when you think about it, that that something that is created by scientists goes through uh, 
design review iteration changes design review iteration changes all with the the end purpose in mind of being safe for human consumption nature when it's evolving has no sense of what is safe for human consumption or not it's actually far more likely that something in nature is going to mess you up than something grown in a lab well nature because... doesn't really care about humans exactly there's, there's every, no every species yeah. is essentially the same yeah exactly that so Yes. Anyone tells you that something being natural is good, there's no link between natural and good. No. No, natural doesn't know good or evil. No. no. It's a mindless process, which is awesome. Sonnet 110. <laughs> We've gone kind of astray, like like Shakespeare. We, we, he's uh, he's strayed away from his beauty. He has in this a tiny bit. I think it's because we had this one. It was it one one oh nine that we had where he just kind of says, "Oh, I might have looked at other people, but you're still pretty too." <laughs> and and yeah. this kind of seems to vaguely lead on from that theme. Yeah, it, it, yes. He, 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 it's like Shakespeare's kind of going, "I I've done things that are wrong." Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the first line is just, just, alas, this true. I have gone here and there and to make myself a motley to the view. He just kind of, he confesses yeah. to having done, having gone astray and then having philandered. Disgusting. Sold, sold cheap what is most dear. So as if there's a finite amount of love that he's got and he wants it all to go to the fair youth. But he's been selling it cheap to to wanton floozies on the side. They, they, they didn't have polyamory at the time. They didn't. They didn't. That, that, that's, that's, I don't know anyone. Oh, I used to know people in a polyamorous relationship. I don't know anyone now. Or not obvious. Not that they've told me about. Yeah, I know people who have been in one. I'm not sure I know one who is at the moment. But I know polyamorous people. Yeah. It seems it seems quite nice. I quite like the idea. It just whatever floats your boat, as long as it's consensual, I don't really have a problem. Consenting and, and adults, I should say, no. And, and that's the, the the historical argument against it is that it usually has been wrapped up in power imbalance when it comes to like having harems of women and stuff like that. There's a power imbalance there. And and that's what it's fighting. And also there's this kind of, it's hard enough maintaining a relationship with equal balance with just two people. Yeah. Adding a third person doesn't just then make it one person harder. It makes it multiple times harder because you've got multiple relationship directions going on. But I, more power to people who can do it. I can barely cope with one other person in my life. So <laughs> I don't know how Romantic. I cope with more than one. There it is. And, and the fact that I'm willing to put in that effort shows that it's romantic. Yeah, yeah. See, me and Thierry all the way. He 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 is my secret lover. <laughs> I couldn't even say that with a straight face. <laughs> it, it is true. We are in a triad with uh, with Mark's other half. It's uh... and 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 your other half isn't part of the triad. No, no, no. it wouldn't be a triad then. No, that's true. Triad does sound cool. <laughs> so are you going to see your other half tonight? I'm going to see the other two members of the triad. Yeah, it's, it's 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 I don't know a lover outside of um, the more established. Uh, 
you are, you are more polyamorous than, yeah. than we are. I wonder if it's measured like that. Oh, I wish I knew more. I wish. I wonder if there are levels of polyamorousy to the point where you say I am a I am a threefer or a fiver or a six. As in, I the maximum relationship size I will be in is five other people or four other people. I don't. You you could. I'm not sure if they go with numbers, but I assume there would be um, polyamorous people in a committed relationship, and then just polyamorous people who just. I don't know, to just kind of have several people on the go and they just it is slightly more than just sleeping with them. They are they do actually love them, but there's no Yeah. Not nothing outside of there's the few no hours a day they see them or, or weeks. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, this is a fascinating discussion that has pretty much nothing to do with Sonic no. one ten. Sorry. No. It is kind of I mean he's <clears throat> he he is talking about how he's been spreading his love and and, and... <laughs> sorry childish mind made me laugh In, instead of um fo- focusing on uh, on on the fair youth i mean i yeah. guess his um <coughs> ma- making it cheap i can kind of see that because i don't know lo- love is is something that you should uh, how how what's the word for that? It, it's it it kind of sounds like he's saying, yeah, I just just had sex with random people, yeah, when, when, and I just kind of forgot about the way I love you when 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 I was the way I love there. you should be above the just the random drive to uh to screw everything that is kind of pretty. <laughs> yes. Yes, yeah, so he's saying I had a I had a cheap one night stand or a couple yeah, of cheap one yeah. night stands. That's what he's admitted to. What I, what I wonder, I, and I suppose this is we've had this discussion a couple of times all the way through the series is how much of the character that's in love with the fair youth is Shakespeare, and and we've referred to it and and most people refer to it as Shakespeare. Shakespeare's writing to the fair youth, but we don't. There's no evidence that it is Shakespeare himself. If no, that, that can, no, there isn't. But I mean, even then, I wonder if this sonnet caused a conversation with with uh, Anne Hathaway, her going, "Okay, it's creepy enough you talking about having sex with a very young boy, but now you're talking about having sex with floozies as well." That uh, I wonder if she kind of stepped in at some point and went, "Yeah, I'm coming with you next time we go to London." Yeah, I don't know. Would she have read these sonnets? Would well, that's the thing? These I I've read sort of. Different reports. Some people say these sonnets were never designed to be published. They were a gift to someone. Yeah. And then other things that suggest that that they they were eventually designed to be published. And I don't know. I don't know enough about these. If they are a gift, if they were a gift to someone, I almost feel guilty about reading them. It's like Shakespeare has written these specifically for one person. As a gift, and now we are forcing them we out there into the world. Them. How would you feel if if your love letters to someone were then published by them? It's a bit odd. The whole thing of this is a bit odd, to be honest. Yeah, I don't. They might not have been published by the person who. Um, I mean, there was a sixteen oh nine version that was published when Shakespeare was still alive. Yeah, so then, then they must have been because he would have stopped their publication. Surely, if I mean he was powerful enough to stop their publication, yeah. 
and and they, it's not like you could have printed them at home. You uh, you you did have to go to one of the very few printing presses that that were in existence at the time. I just airdrop this over to the Wi-Fi printer and then <laughs> get out a copy. Do you want all the sonnets? How many on a page? Oh, technology is awesome. I could never have lived back then. God, what skills would I have had? I would have been pathetic. I don't know. I I, I would have been a very bad poet just being pissed off at Shakespeare. Would you have been high enough up in the class of society to have learned how to read and write, though? That's where I think I probably wouldn't have been. In my historic... Well, they're saying that. My family name supposedly comes from land ownership in the UK, so maybe I would have been. Mm. My family historically owned land. Hmm. We obviously got screwed out of it because I don't think we own any more. But hmm. I don't. I mean, I obviously I am not from Britain, and and yeah, different the, social the structures. World and stuff. kind of. We did. There is no. We don't have anything like a class system. What was happening in Luxembourg at, at roughly the time of Shakespeare's life? Oh God, the sixteen hundreds. I'm not quite sure. Just sort of, I was thinking kind of roughly. Was it like, because it's quite a religious country now, Luxembourg is uh, yeah. in terms got a religious party. Is that a historical thing or is that a recent thing? As far as I'm aware, it's 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 um, it's historical. I mean that. Um... We've had the Christians in power for pretty much um, the entire second half of the 20th century. But, and, and then church has historically been quite powerful. But I'm not quite... Because Luxembourg has like a pretty varied history as being a country is concerned. as There's all kinds of back and forth and international treaties and... and we were part of the Netherlands for a while, and, and yeah, interesting. I'm not quite sure what. I mean, my knowledge mainly goes back to about the 1800s, like the Treaty of Vienna, 1815, is about as far back as I. Uh, when it's, it's been a long time since I did history in school. School. Oh God, school was weird. It's almost weird that it stops. That's almost more weird to me than than school is a thing. It's weird that it, you get to a point, sort of fifteen, sixteen, and the state goes, "That's it. You've got all the education you're going to need." And when something like history and geography and language learning and literature are things that cannot be studied in periods of five years, and then you know everything, hence why we've got universities and colleges and stuff. But surely a general education, maybe once a week or twice a week you, you go out from five in the evening after work till nine and you sit down and there should be someone there going, this is what happened in the 1600s in your country and this is this is this book and why it's important to you and that does that not make sense that that kind of thing should carry on? Because surely know. having an, a, an educated populace is a good thing? Oh god, yeah. I went up. Well, it was kind of a question. But I was kind I of mean, going American? I, <laughs> I, I went to... Uh... To high school until I was nineteen because that's the age you go to high school too. And and I mean I I had to do all the um, I had to do British history, European history, world history, geography, five languages, all that kind of stuff. 
So it's wow. I, I don't quite understand. I, ne- I never quite understood the British. Is it as you go to college, you oh, you don't you don't you have, to. have certain hours a week, and and or, or even a day, or you might have entire days off, and and if you don't turn up, then pff, you don't turn up, kind of thing. The the standard education in the UK, and and there are variances on this, but the standard one is you go to primary school from the age of five to about ten, eleven, um, which is it starts you off very simple and then brings in English and maths as as sort of separate subjects. And then you from that point, you're going to go into secondary school, which is where you get split between different subjects. So that's where you study, you start studying a, a language, um, sciences, possibly as three distinct subjects, um, geography, history, physical education, all those things. And you do that for another five years until you're 15, 16. At which point you're free to leave school. That's schooling, a mandatory schooling ends at that point after you've taken your GCSEs. So you, you we have a huge portion of a society that just walks out at that point and goes and joins the workforce or, or not, <laughs> depending on um, what the current state of the economy is like. Um, or at that point, you can then choose to go on to what's called a sixth form, which is essentially schooling extended for another two years. Or you can go to college, which is you get a bit more freedom. It's kind of a bit like university rather than so you you can wear whatever clothes you like. I never realised that sixth form and college were two different things. Yeah, they're they're two different paths that are done at the same point. So I went to college because I didn't like the schooling system. I didn't like being told what I could wear, what I could study, how I was going to study, when I was going to study that really didn't sit well with me. So I went to college where there was a lot more freedom. So if I didn't want to go to a lecture on a certain day, I didn't go. But the onus was then on me to catch up with what I had missed. Whereas in sixth form, if you had missed a lecture, a letter would be going home to your parents to say, your child has missed this lesson, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is ridiculous. And then after that, you then go to university. And it's it's why it's quite interesting. If you look at dropout rates between people who went to college to university from sixth form to university, there's a marked distinction of who drops out more. And it tends to be the sixth formers that drop out more because they get to university and suddenly go, I don't have to go to class and I don't have to do yeah, this. Yeah, and they just don't. don't. Yeah, whereas people from college have had two years of managing their own time and managing their own study. It's, it's fascinating. Schooling systems fascinate me because I'm sure the way we do ours is completely bonkers. It's really weird. I mean, we don't... Something like GCSEs doesn't exist. No, you, you know, have so the like International you just, Baccalaureate. You just... No, I just you um, there is no, if you leave at sixteen, which I think they changed the law a few years ago, so you have to stay in school until you're eighteen, nineteen. But if when when I was in school, you could you could technically leave at sixteen, and you would you would have literally nothing, no no diploma, no no diploma, nothing. You okay. would just be sixteen, and and you would have just finished your mandatory time in school. Which I mean, hardly anyone did that un- unless they were people who just got an apprenticeship which still meant that they had to go to classes a few weeks a year yes yeah, that makes sense but it just it's, it's really weird i mean i had more hours the older i got in school because there were more subjects to fit in rather than yeah less than yeah fewer that uh, fewer yeah sorry <laughs> That's, that's screwed okay. I up my you. uh my comparatives I, there i i i will forgive you this once <laughs> 
It is my fifth language. Give me a break. (laughs) Well, seeming you've just had a massive rant on Facebook about the placement of a comma and a poster. That, because it's, that's, oh, don't get me started. (laughs) Um, We haven't really talked about Sonnet 110, but we're running out of time in this podcast. Um, Top, your top takeaway point from Sonnet 110, what would it be? Um, Looking up what happened in the 1600s in Luxembourg. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently it was an important bastion on the Spanish road, the uh, military road that led through Europe and just basically let the Spaniards control most of the Western Hemisphere. Which makes sense because Luxembourg used to have a fortress that no one ever managed to break into. So okay. it was quite a, a stronghold to, um, as, as a military base, it was quite a smart idea to uh, have any military trade go through there. That is lovely. Has very little links to no, actually Sonic No, content. nothing at all. But like, we, we started the discussion earlier and then just, now it's finished. We At least, at least the, the, the topics we started, we finish. Even even if they have no, nothing to do with Shakespeare, <laughs> even if it's not the sonnet, I, my my favorite part of the sonnet is that um is towards the end because my appetite I never more will grind on newer proof. The, I just like his sexual innuendo that I will not grind on newer proof, implying younger people than the fair youth as well, which is a bit yeah mm, bad bad back then. They were bad back then. They when you are girl and woman yeah. and I. Uh, yeah, well, it is from our point of view, it really is. It's really interesting how that changed, and I don't know why that changed. As in, uh, at what point did we Maybe then? Because of the scoring system. Yeah, they were still prolonged. I mean, childhood was essentially over when you were nine, ten. That was just you went to work on the fields, kind of thing. There was yeah. just, and and the scoring system kind of allowed us to uh, to prolong the innocence of childhood, and then just keep children amongst themselves rather than putting them out into the adult world. Yeah. That whole issue about childhood is very weird anyway, which is when you're a child, all you want to do is be grown up. And then when you're a grown up, all you want to do is keep children being children for longer. It's really all adults seem to forget that the only thing they ever wanted when they were a child was to be an adult. Yeah, but it's the kind of... Well, the grass is always greener on the other side. But once you... You do grow up. You kind of realise that it isn't all. Oh God! No, I never go back. And... It is. No, that is what being an adult is no, about. No, it's not. It's you, about... Also, you have to pay bills. You, yeah, you, yeah. You That's easy. You have That's to easy. go to work. You might have a boss who's a bit of a dick, like I do. And you are your own boss, aren't you? <laughs> He's a bit of a dick. Okay, but you can do things like I did, which is I bought a whole Vionetta and ate it. Over the course of many days, but I, I, I'd never been able to do that as a kid. Being an adult rocks. <laughs> it it does have its advantages, definitely. Yeah, it does. Um, you should read a sonnet one ten. I, I I shall do that. I'll and don't you dare get anything wrong. I oh god. Fewer. Remember, it's fewer. Fewer. I yeah. It's because supermarkets say less. It just screws with my mind. Sonnet one hundred and ten. Alas, tis true, I have gone here and there, and made myself a motley to the view. Gore's mine own thoughts, and salt cheap what is most dear, made all defences of affections new. Most true it is that I have looked on truth askant and strangely, but, by all above, these blenches gave my heart another youth, and worse essays proved thee my best of love. Now all is done, 
have what shall have no end. Mine appetite I never more will grind on you approve to try an older friend, a god in love to who I am confined. Then give me welcome, next my heaven the best, even to thy pure and most most loving breast. Excellent. That is Sonnet 100, where Shakespeare obviously Ten. couldn't find... Oh, one, oh yeah, 110, sorry. Where obviously Shakespeare couldn't find an extra syllable for that final line and just repeated a word. So that was that's, fun. That's what poets do. That's, that's <laughs> what the poetic license is, Mark. <laughs> I, I can't... I'll just... Do it. Fine. No one will notice. Um, that was Sonnet 110. You've been listening to Supermarket. No, not Supermarket Matters. What? <laughs> You've been listening Whoosh. to Shakespeare's Welcome Sonnet. to Grab and Go. We need a so, promo to just put in from Supermarket Matters into Shakespeare's I, Sonnets. I've got three and promos. Just, I, I will and, get and one. And now for the ad break. Oh, we're so doing that next time. Okay. Um, that was Sonnet 110 of Shakespeare's Sonnets. This is a wonderful podcast. I've been Mark <laughs> Chasley. And you can follow me on Twitter at inearent. And I've been Jared Healers, and you can follow me on Twitter at Sound of Seagulls. And, and that slight little mix-up where we talked about Supermarket Matters, that's a wonderful audio sitcom that we've made, which you can download from our website. Uh, there are two whole seasons of it. It is awesome, and it's free. So go and download it, and then let us know what you think. That would be wonderful. So we will see you next time for Sonnet 111. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to Shakespeare Sonnets with Mark Chatterley and Thierry Hellis. This has been an in-ear entertainment podcast. To listen to other podcasts or find out more about in-ear entertainment, go to www.inearentertainment.com.